0: Jesus we thank you for your great love we thank you that you long now in these moments just to speak to us through your word wherever we are on the journey great God so we open our hearts to you now bless Andrew as he comes and we pray this in Jesus name amen please be seated church we are really blessed to have Pastor Andrew coming to share our lead ministry pastor I would love it if you would make him feel really welcome as he comes to share right now Thanks Nathan and welcome,
1: this is your first time here to Bridgman. For those online, it's great to have you listening in as well. Um, If this is your first time, if you've not been here recently, we're currently in a season in the book of James and this is the third week in our our series. The first week, um, Nathan started and spoke about the trials in life, the challenges in life that God is in the midst of them, he's working in them. And uh, he often has a a great purpose in those trials. Uh, The second week, um, Pastor Peter spoke and spoke about temptation as well. Um, That as we are tempted, we shouldn't think that it is God tempting us. God is good. God is holy, pure, and perfect. And every good gift comes from God. Um, He spoke about that and the good character of God. And now we follow on in this passage they are looking at verses 19 to 27 this morning, but one factor as we look at this is that when we come to Jesus and when we follow Jesus, we are not immune to trials and we are not immune to, um, to temptation, but there is a strength of life that God gives in the midst of them. Um, I saw it here this morning, this morning at the eight o'clock, those of you who know Joseph, he's in a wheelchair, he's got a number of medical challenges, but there he was with this incredible joy and laughter and encouragement. It makes you wonder, like, how can that be when all the outside circumstances seem like there would be no joy, that there still can be joy? And I think we all long for that, that inner life that is not um, dependent on those circumstances, that in a life that, um, in one sense, is beyond them. And, and it's a nice thought. You might even be listening and you think, well, that's a great thought. I would love that. But in the, the trenches of life, that is really difficult. And it is. But what, when we look at this passage today, I really believe that James gives us a, a method or a way or a process of the way God works in our life to bring us to that point. And before we look at the passage um, from from 19 to 27, we will see that there is a clear theme um, running through it. Let's just have a look at a few of those verses and you might pick up on the theme. It says in verse 18, and this is one of the good gifts that Peter mentioned last week. It says, um, he who chose us to give us new birth, new life, through the word of truth. That's in verse 18. In verse 21 it says, that we are encouraged to humbly accept the word planted in you. Again, this word. In verse 22, we're told not merely just to listen to the word, but to do what it says. And then in 25, it says um, we're to look intently into the perfect law, and another word or description for the word that gives freedom. So you can see throughout this passage, verse upon verse, it's around our relationship to the word of God. Um, And there you see this picture or this image of this word being planted in you. Let me just uh, have a little uh, look at that for a moment. Uh, Any of you that are either gardeners or you love nature, um, you will know the power of a seed. I've got a picture here of a gum tree. Recently, I was walking down in Giraween um, National Park, and some of the gum trees there are just incredible. You've probably all had this moment, you just look at it, they're they're huge, they can grow up to 100 metres tall, but they're just massive. But if you think about it and stop, you'll realise that that tree began its life as a seed. And if you know a gum tree, you have these gum nuts, and within those gum nuts are these tiny, tiny seeds. So the reality is that within that seed is the potential and all of the life needed to grow an incredibly massive, strong tree. And James is saying that the Word of God has been planted in you this seed of the Word of God, and it has absolutely phenomenal pot- potential. In any one gum tree, once you multiply the seeds, a seed can become a forest, all from just one seed. But more than just a biological seed, um, in First Peter, we see that it's actually um, of divine nature. Let me just read um, what it says there in First Peter one twenty three. It says, for you have been born again. There's that picture again of new life, this life that we can have, a new heart, new life, We've been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. There's that connection again, that, that we are born again, we have new life, it's imperishable, but it's through the word of God. That's what this morning is about, the word of God. And then in Second Peter, he says, His divine power has given, given us everything we need for a godly life. So this, this seed that has been planted is actually divine in nature. It's imperishable, but it, it gives us everything we need to live a godly life. And later in that passage, that we may participate in the divine nature. So it's not just biological life. It's actually we are born again. There is new life. The, the life of God has been planted in us when we receive Jesus, and that potential from that seed is outworking itself in our lives. Now I know it's very easy to say this new life transformation, all of these, these, these catch words, and I know that it's challenging. I know that in the trenches of life, you might ask the question, that's a, a really nice thought, but how do I see it? How can I experience it? Um, It doesn't always come that easy. But truly, I believe James here is speaking to us so clearly about the process that God takes us and how we can um, be transformed from the innermost being out with this new life that is given. So let's have a look at this passage. The, The first few verses, I just want to read, 19 and 20, 21. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word implanted in you, which can save you. So within this little passage is this little bit of wisdom there, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become, become angry. A preacher once said, when preaching on this, he said, um, I'm about to speak, you listen, and we will pray that we'll finish at the same time. <laughs> Meaning, keep listening. <laughs> but here, here, here it is in this, this passage, wisdom, and I read this, and this actual verse here about um, quick to listen, slow to speak, about anger, I thought, how does that actually fit in the flow about God's word. But as I read, I realized that the first step in this transformation, this renovation of our heart, is the way that we receive God's word. He says, the way to receive God's word is humility. Humbly accept the word planted within you. Now there is great wisdom in being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There's a great sermon I listened to on this from Andy Stanley. He speaks about it in terms of our relationships, being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry. It's got a a lot of application for us in all of our relationships, whether ones of conflict or just general relationships, for the priority to be to listen. Because I know my immediate uh, response is to want to say what I know. I want to say what I feel. I want to say what I think. That, that is our natural position. And in, particularly in times of either conflict or argument or trying to convince someone, I'm not even listening. I'm just aiming up, at getting my ammunition ready for what I'm about to say. But he says, no, like, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Careful, be careful. Just, just, just stop, zip it, Just quiet. Slow to speak, quick to listen. And Andy Stanley actually says, um, one line you can suge- he suggests he says, "You know, say to someone, "I don't quite see it the way that you do, but I want to. Could you help me understand? Ask lots of questions to understand the perspective of others. Because the more we listen, and the more we ask questions, the more we will then understand and do you see in that response whether it be towards people or towards god and the way we respond to him at the heart of it is humility humbling ourselves before god and as we read the word of god you know we do it we we come underneath the word of god You know, we can read the Bible and think, well, I like this bit, but not that bit. I'm happy to do this bit, but I'm not so sure about that bit. Can you see how I I am making the decisions, I'm saying what I wanna do and what I think, rather than coming under, humbly coming under the, the word of God and allowing the word of God to read me. Saying, God, maybe I don't understand it. Maybe it's not easy but God, I know you are good, I know you love me, and I know your way is better. so I am coming, I'm bringing my life, I'm bringing my heart, I'm bringing this situation under the word of God. It's humbly receiving the word of God. Can you see in that is a, a, quite a contrast to pride and anger and control, where we might say, well, I want this, or I think this. It breeds a superiority or a pride where we're not willing to listen. We're not willing to accept that maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I see things that are not right. A pride that might not accept fault. And he's saying, Receive God's word with humility, humble yourself. Jonathan Edwards was a preacher in the 1700s and he saw incredible revivals um, in his own church and beyond, he saw God move in an incredible way and uh, he, after a while, was perplexed at what, what stopped this spiritual revival, this spiritual vitality, when where communities are transformed, and it's just incredible what God does, but then what stops it? Why, why does it stop, either in a community or in an individual? And what Jonathan Edwards—he's very analytical—and he studied it, and there's books he's written about this, but he talks about the fact that it is pride that kills revival. It, it is pride that kills spiritual growth in an individual. And he says that we need to be very quick to recognize and deal with the pride in our hearts because it's gonna stunt our growth. He said, be very careful when you are not teachable. Be very careful when you're argumentative. Be very careful when we can uh, enjoy or be so easy to, to confront and point out the faults of others, but then on the other side, be so desperate to defend ourselves and our own image. And in this passage, James says, no, get get rid of that moral filth, the anger, the evil, the pride that is so prevalent and humbly, the fertile soil is humility. Humbly accept the word planted in you. And the key of this, I believe, is the gospel. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus is not that you've got it all together. The good news of Jesus is not that you can do it. The good news of Jesus is that in your most broken, your most sinful, your most, um, uh, your biggest failures, God loves you in that place. That is the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus. And as that word comes and is received in our heart, that despite being broken, despite being um, messing up, making fault, that I am loved by God, that I am forgiven by God, that I am right with God because of Jesus, do you see that, how that allows us to be humble? No longer do I have to put up this, no, no, I've got it together, no, I'm right, no, I'm not wrong, I've gotta protect this image, but I can, knowing that I'm loved by God, humbly say, well. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. And that humility comes from knowing that we are loved by God. Tim Keller wrote, Recognise the signs of pride, because if you don't develop a humble spirit in general in your relationships to other people, if you don't learn to relax when you've failed, if you don't learn to relax when other people criticise you instead of blowing up and saying it's their fault, It's her fault. It's God's fault. It can't be my fault. I can't admit it's my fault. Tim Keller says if you're not so good at repenting, you're not going to get anything out of God's word. That's what James is saying. Humility is the fertile ground for the word to come and change and transform our hearts. And the times when maybe we're stagnant, maybe there's, there's hardships, one of the things, and I look at this in my own life, is that maybe I need to humble myself in those places. In verse 23 to 25, it goes on. The second thing, the first thing is humility. The second thing is to be hearers, not only hearers of God's word, but doers of God's word. In verse 23 to 25, James writes, anyone who listens to the word But does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now here James is saying the power of God's word in our lives does not come from listening to it or hearing it or knowing it. Now we we all know the benefits of listening to a sermon or reading the Bible, these are all great things, but James is saying the actual power of the word of God, the transformation that happens is when we actually become doers of God's word. And he likens the Bible to a mirror. That as we read the Bible, We learn something about God, we learn something about ourselves, and it speaks to us, it shows us things about ourselves. And he's saying, like, when you look at it, don't walk away and not respond to what you've heard. I I look at the mirror sometimes as I get ready, and and the big question that often is before me is, is it a day I need to shave or can I just leave that this morning? (laughs) I often check the mirror and then I actually go to my wife and say, what do you think? Do you think (laughs) I can get away with it? One day, not, not so long ago, I looked in the mirror, and it probably was a day that I really should have shaved, and I said, no, well, I'll just leave that. And it just so happened, it was the day we had a, a staff lunch, and then um, Alec, our photographer, said, I think it's a good day for staff photos, we're all here. And I was caught out. i looked at the mirror, I'd seen, and I'd done nothing. So remember this, don't be like Pastor Andrew, who looks in the mirror and does nothing about it. No, look at the Bible, look at the word, and respond, act. Charles Swindle shares this story. He says, let's pretend that that you work for me. You know, I've developed this um, company and it's growing very quickly. And I've employed you as my executive manager, and I would like to start this company in another country. So I say to you, I'm going to leave you in charge of the home office. I'm going to go to this this country for six to eight months and take my family over there to start this new office. But I'll communicate with you. I'll send you messages. I'll phone. I'll email. I'll send all that you need to know, the instructions, my directions. I'll send them to you. Um, so we'll keep in touch. And I fly over to the other country to plant this office for six to eight months. And then I come back after that time, and I come back and I very soon after arriving go to the office and I see that the lawn is not mowed, there's broken windows in the the office. I walk in there and I see the receptionist just listening to music, doing her fingernails, chewing gum, and I look and I look around, it looks like it's not being cleaned for weeks. And I said, where, where is the manager? And they just point down that direction. And I come to your office and I say, what, what is going on? I mean, I left, we were going to communicate, I sent you all of these messages, what has happened? You might say to me, what do you mean? What do you mean, Andrew? And then... I say, well, what did you do with all those instructions that I gave you? And they say, well, I I received all of them. We even had a, a, a letter study. We studied all of your instructions on a Friday night. We all got around and studied them. And we even divided into small groups to study them. And some of them were so good, such good instructions That we, some of us even committed to memorize the sentences and the paragraphs that you wrote that were so good. And after that, I would say to you, but but what did you do about them? And the person said, Well, nothing. We didn't do anything. And that's the the foolishness of, of this situation, that it's not so much just listening and hearing, James is saying, but the power of the word of God in our life is comes about when we Act upon. He says, Don't be deceived. Jesus uses this incredible illustration of the, the man who built his house upon the rock and the man who built his house upon the sand. And he said, When the wind and the waves came, the house on the sand collapsed. But he said, The one built on the rock stayed. They are the ones who put what I say into practice. And he's saying here, Do not be deceived. It's a warning to us. It's a warning to me as I read this passage. Don't be deceived, Andrew. Don't just know about it. Don't just hear about it. The power comes when you act upon it. Now, what do I mean there? Well, as we read the Bible, God will speak. As we listen to sermons, God will speak. God will speak through other people. There's, a num- you know, there's all sorts of occasions that God speaks to us. And I must admit, I love different preachers here at church and there's been many times that God has spoken to me in these seats and I'm convicted about something and there are some times that I go away and do something about it and there are some times that I don't. We have to respond in action. And what does that mean? Well, God might say to you, And the Bible does, and you might have even memorized this verse. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know that. But in that moment, even now as I say it, there is power in that, there's truth in that. But when it becomes powerful, is that moment that you fail, the moment that you stuff up, the moment that you sin, and then Satan comes to you and says, You are a hopeless Christian you're not worthy to be a Christian. When that scripture becomes powerful and transformative in your life is when you say, no, I know there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I know I am forgiven by Jesus. I know I am loved by God. I know I'm accepted by God. When I act on that principle, when I act on that truth, that is when the power of God comes into my life and begins to transform me. Not just hearing it, but living upon it in those moments. It might be that God convicts you about confessing your sin or asking forgiveness or forgiving someone. And that's a powerful truth, but that truth becomes powerful in your life, in your heart, when you act upon that and confess your sin. When you act upon it and forgive that person or ask for forgiveness, that is when God forgives, that's when it's lifted The weight is taken off and there's a freedom, there's a power in in the spiritual realm and when we receive it in our heart. It might be that God says to love the poor, to help someone in need. That might be a prompting. And as you give generously, as you go um, generously to help someone, you receive the joy of helping someone. You you gain some understanding of their experience. You are changed, you are... uh, um, Transformed as you obey that situation. And God is speaking to us in many, many different ways. My problem often is not necessarily knowing, it's actually the doing and walking that out in my life. God is saying that you are loved. What does that look like when you live that out? He might um, prompt you to offer hospitality or step out in faith in some way, to practically love a neighbor or colleague. And as you walk these things out, that's when God's word becomes real and transformative and people are blessed in and through our life. And James is saying here, don't be deceived. Don't be like Andrew, just looks in the mirror and didn't do anything about it respond and act and and follow those promptings, that we would be a people that are doers. That's like our identity. We are people that are doers of God's word. We are people that live upon God's word. Not just know it, but we live it out and the transformation comes. And in that, it says, as we continue to look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, in verse 25, it says that that as we continue to look in the word of God, as we continue to read it, continue to understand it and live it out, we will be brought to freedom. Because the reality is, and we all know this, there is competing messages in the world today, isn't there? The world will tell you and I how to live our life. The world will tell us what what our priorities should be. Our own flesh will have our own desires, And we we spoke about temptations last week. Their own flesh will have desires. And then Satan is the greatest deceiver of all. He'll be speaking into your life as well. And so James is saying, keep looking. Continually look into that mirror. Continually look into the Word of God. Continually um, act upon it and live, and you will receive freedom it takes us back to that picture of how can we have freedom and strength in the midst of trials and temptations? There's a transformation going on within us and as we hear God's word, as we act on it, that seed that is planted is beginning to grow like a big tree we're being transformed from the inside out and we will receive more freedom. What's he, he mean by freedom? Well, the reality is that as we become more and more like God created us to be, we will experience more freedom. So for instance, a fish. A fish is created and designed to swim in water. And in water, it is free to function in that way. Similarly, you and I have been created by God in, to live in a specific way and to know him and relate him and walk with him. And in those parameters that he's given us, we will find the greatest freedom. Freedom. And as we continue to walk with him, as we are changed, we, our desires change, our heart is changed, we will um, walk with a greater freedom uh, in our life. And then finally, in verse 26 to 27, it speaks of the fruit of this. It says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless... Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So he's saying that as we do this, as we live this way, as our hearts are changed, we will begin to love those that are vulnerable in our society, that we will be known, you know, I was praying about this, and Lord, would, would the church in Australia be known as a place of love and welcome for the vulnerable? When there's needs, that the church would be a place where people would go, that, that we would love. And I was so blessed by that team that went to Grantham yesterday, um, one of them said, I've just been waiting for an opportunity to, to help a person that's been impacted by this flood. And I thought, this is it's amazing that the heart of that person say, Well, I'm willing to drive out to Grantham, do a full day's work, because that's in my heart to love those who need it. And we long for the time when we're known for that. Not just one-off things like a flood, but and, and we all are doing it, but this is just who we are. As followers of Jesus, we are people who love others and sacrificially love other people and keep themselves being polluted by the world that as we continue to to look at God's way, there'll be a sense that we're different, different from those around us because we're living how God has created us to live and experiencing that freedom. Nathan mentioned that on Monday night, there's a, a prayer meeting for Ukraine online Um, It's at 6.30, but there we'll hear from Wayne, who we heard from last week, but also Shane. Now, there's a lot of Waynes and Shanes speaking about Ukraine, so don't forget that one. You've got that, 6.30. But Shane, who is in in the middle of Ukraine at the moment, ministering, he's been there for a number of years, um, wrote this story, like a a challenging story, actually, this week. He said, I've been travelling into the city each day to collect supplies and people wanting to leave. A friend of mine travels in conjunction with me, traveling further north and bringing people to where I am in the south, and today we again took off in the same direction as yesterday. I couldn't believe what that would be like. Can you imagine driving into these cities that have been bombarded? I just, uh, I don't know. But at about 10 a.m., I received the news that his car had been hit. He'd been fired upon, And that was the only information that I had. Tears immediately welled in my eyes. I quietly prayed as I stood in line at the petrol station, hoping for the best, but realising that my good friend, who I've known for 14 years, may have just gone to be with the Lord. It's a bittersweet feeling. I knew he would be rejoicing, being welcomed, the son of a king, yet I would feel lost. As you can imagine, phone lines are jammed, people are trying to call each other, and with everything going on, we just couldn't get in contact with him or anyone who knew more information. I prayed again and decided that whether he was alive or not, he was in God's capable hands, and that is the best place to be. Peace instantly flowed over me, and I continued the journey further. We stopped at some shops first to try and restock our food supplies, and I got some fantastic information. My friend was alive, His car was badly damaged and he was unable to drive it, but he was alive and unhurt. It was a complete miracle. The passengers were also alive, praise God. Maybe some responses to the prayers. Who's been praying that? We've been praying. Many of you have been asking, what is happening on the ground where you are and what are the things you're involved in? While these questions are important and get the information out there about what's going on, it's not the most important question. More important than the what is the why. What is the motive behind what we are doing? We are not doing the things we are doing for approval. Recognition, we're not doing it for acceptance. We're not trying to gain favour with God, nor do we believe that by doing these things we'll have a greater chance, that he'll let us into heaven. No, I know that when I die, I'll go to be with my saviour, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did for me, and he has done for you. None of what I do here on earth will have any sway as to whether I get into heaven or not. Jesus said that it is only through faith in him that we can get into heaven. Doing good things just doesn't cut it. There's no amount of good deeds that we can do here on earth to merit entrance into heaven. Nothing, no service, no giving, no sacrifice will ever be enough, he said, Faith is all we need, faith in Jesus. He goes on to say, when you really believe when your faith is real, when you really want to live your life to honour and obey God, that's when your motives begin to change. God begins to change you from the inside out. He begins to change your heart and your motives. That is the good news of Jesus That as we come to him, as we humble ourselves, know that we are loved and forgiven in him, as that word is planted in our hearts, he begins to transform us from that innermost place. Within a seed, everything is there for that life to grow. God's planted that. God's planted that in you if you've received Jesus It is in your heart. That will grow. Be encouraged. It will grow. What it needs is fertile place. The humility to receive it and to obey his word. And one day, I don't know Shane well enough, one day that seed was planted in his heart and a renovation began happening in his his heart that would lead him to invest his life to help the people of Ukraine and to sacrifice and to know that he can love people. As he said, not to earn favour with God, but because this was the overflow of his heart. How can he not be fearful? How can any number of things? Because, because he knows God. There's a joy and a security that comes from knowing God. And we too can be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged today. If that, that word is planted in you, God will do the work. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm not growing But maybe if you look back two years, five years, ten years, God is doing a great work. You might not see a tree grow in any moment that you look at it, but God is growing you. Our job is to remain humble, to remain soft before him and allow him, to to, to that seed, to fulfill all of its potential. The world needs you and I to be all that we have created to be. And that will only happen as we humble ourselves before him. Let's pray here this morning. Well, Lord, I want to thank you so much for your grace that, Lord, you love us. Well, I think even at the moment that I received that, Lord, you know, 21 year old, just um, messed up, doing all sorts of things, Lord, broken, yet you loved me. Lord, you've forgiven me. And Lord, uh, a renovation has started and is, is happening and sometimes I wish it was quicker, but Lord, it started, it's happening and you're growing and you're changing me and you're changing Shane and that's what you do. You love to take broken hearts, God, and make them whole. And maybe some people even now listening to me online or here, you know you have a broken heart. And I wanna say, God loves you in your lowest and most broken place. He loves you right now. And in Jesus, there is forgiveness of all sin. There is acceptance in Jesus. It's never gonna be about what you have done or will do or can do. As Shane said, it's about putting your trust in Jesus. And if you've never done that, I, I wanna encourage you even to do that right now. You can just even pray this right now with me. Lord, forgive me. I'm broken. I need forgiveness. Jesus, come into my heart. Come in and renovate my life. Change me. Make me the the. the, the the me that you've created me to be, the the fullness of life that you have for me. You are good. And maybe humble yourself. Maybe there's a a humble, a need for humility to admit your wrongs, to say sorry, sorry to God, sorry to other people. But even now you you can do that. Sorry, God. And he will come and he'll plant that seed the word of God in your heart to continue to change you. And Lord, for all of us here this morning, Lord, we we, we probably can all admit the times it's all about us and what we think and what we want to do and our way. Lord, humble us again, Lord. Humble us underneath your word that Lord we we would be guided by you and that Lord you would find us to be a people that would not only listen, but Lord, follow you and obey you. Lord, because we know you're good and we know that it leads to goodness. But Lord, we're weak. We need your help, God. Lord, help us to to look at your Word. Help us to continue to, to look in it and to hear your voice above the other voices in our world, we pray. That Lord, we can be those people that love and welcome and bring healing and strength into our world, that we would be moved by love, moved by compassion. That, Lord, we would show your love. It would be a demonstration that we love because you have first loved us. Lord, help us, help us to be your church. Help us as individuals to be just like Jesus, we pray. In your name, amen, amen. We're going to worship now and it's a song about I believe and I think it's a great anthem just to align ourselves with who He is and what He's done. And so today we get the opportunity to sing without masks, to really worship and so let's do that together as we worship here right now.
2: I believe that the wolves will start falling for...
0: morning you prayed that prayer as Andrew was just leading us there for the first time just to ask Jesus to come into your heart then we'd love to give you these Bible gift packs we've got them here free just to take them there's a Bible in there some information to help you on your journey of faith and if you're new this morning our welcome lounge is opening right now I'd love to invite you to head over there you can connect with some people grab a coffee as well and if you'd like prayer our prayer team will be down the front here as well they'd love to pray for you so let me pray just close our time together Lord we thank you thank you for your love thank you for your grace thank you for this truth Lord and I pray you'll help us Lord to come humbly to your word again uh, this week Lord to live in response to it Lord not just to be hearers but doers of it great God And that through that Lord we will know more and more of your life transforming power at work in our lives and through our lives to our world we pray and we ask this in Jesus name Amen please be seated God bless thanks so much for sharing with us